podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to the Masterclass in Manchester United Tactical Podcast. I'm Haydar Rabani. Guys, I am back. I am on holiday here in Canada, so apologies, we are a little bit late. I'm joined by Rob, as always. Guys, as always, make sure you give us a follow on at TF Masterclass. Give me a follow on at Haydar underscore Rabani. Give Rob a follow on Twitter as well, at underscore Rob underscore B. Rob, that was shocking yesterday. Manchester United completely outplayed, completely outsmarted, couldn't get close to City, couldn't string two passes together. It's feeling like the end, Rob. We're seeing all the reports now. The club are very quiet and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. This can't continue for me. Manchester United shouldn't be losing 7-0 at home to Liverpool and City in any era, whether it's Sir Alex's era, whether it's Ole's era. It needs to change. The project is over. I think guys are ready for a change. Guys, let us know what you think in the comments. Really, really disappointing. You were there on the ground. A lot of booze. Felt like apathy, didn't it now, Rob? It's over. It's basically the bottom dollar. Um, the project has run its course under Ole. And, you know, as I said publicly yesterday, I don't think you should feel sorry for him. I don't think you should try and find any other reasons besides footballing ones for it. Because ultimately, a manager's job is to get the team playing well and winning games. That's what you get judged on. Yes, at Manchester United, we're a political entity. There's always other things going on in the background bubbling away. But I talked yesterday about the eye test. And I think all the good stuff that Ole's done at Manchester United over the few years, and I think he has done lots of good stuff behind the scenes, we've now just hit a brick wall where the playing personnel that he has do not suit what he wants to do. The system has collapsed. Every option he goes for, five at the back, five in midfield, two up top, one up top, four, two, three, one, four, three, three, whatever, throw whatever you want on the football pitch, whichever players you like, doesn't work. A very disappointing day against Manchester City, but unfortunately, not one iota of a surprise, exactly as expected. The performance for me was just as bad as Liverpool, even though the result wasn't, and it showed that Manchester United are a lost entity and they need to refine their identity. Rob, I'm going to be honest here now, and we will talk about the game, but something I do want to talk about is the almost, it feels like lowering of standards that we're seeing at the club at the moment. We shouldn't ever sit here and accept the way the Manchester United played yesterday at home. We were extremely passive. When we're going to look at the statistics, Manchester United had one shot on target, five in the in the whole game. We should never accept that. It doesn't matter who the manager is, Rob, because that's not Manchester United. Yesterday, what we saw was not the Manchester United way, which we've been talking about for, for the last couple of episodes, have we? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was trying to implement that, but he's not doing that right now. He has gone pragmatic. He has gone in, in you know, save his job mode. And... The sort of blind faith and loyalty needs to stop. We need to be a bit more objective, don't we, about what we're seeing at Manchester United. What we're seeing isn't good enough. And so when we are talking about the, the possible manager position and what's going to happen later on, we do need to talk about this without the emotion, don't we? Because there's too much emotion in the fan base. There's too much players, people like this player, people like this manager. We're all guilty of it. But that needs to change because it's unhealthy. And at the moment, you know, with Manchester United, 
there's too many that love Oli the player, but aren't able to distinguish that, you know, the manager is a different entity and those standards still need to be kept. Yeah, I, I must admit, I don't think that that's representative of the wider fan base. I think you do have a core support for Ole, and that's fine, and you get that at every football club. I still get people tweeting me who love Mourinho so much that they remind me of tweets I made seven years ago or whatever about something or the other. So these people do exist, but I don't think they're representative. So, Haydar, I want to say that because I don't want this show to be about lip service to little clicks and in football, you're always going to get little clicks. Just let them get on with it. I think when we talk about the manager, let's talk, as we said, about the game, what happened against Man City. And then what we will do, just to inform our audience, is that, yes, we are going to talk about Brendan Rodgers. So I see it in the comments. People are talking about it. Yes, Manchester United have had links with Brendan Rodgers for a while. This is not a new thing. Um, Brendan Rodgers has always been high on the Glazers list. You know, when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and I talked about Conte, I said really that kind of Conte and Rodgers were the yin and the yang choice. You know, the guy who's either won all the trophies, was at Chelsea, you know, the fiery Italian who wears his heart on his sleeve, or do you go for the more demure thinking man's coach who's had tons and tons of Premier League experience. So we will talk about that, but let's talk about Man City to start off with. What we saw kind of the setup was what we kind of expected. Now, before the game, I'd said that in our masterclass that we did in the studio, and I hope you all enjoyed that, we talked about the merits of 3-5-2 and the merits of 4-2-3-1. And we felt that Ole would go back to a 4-2-3-1 because he didn't really want to play Baye. And what did he do? He surprised us. He played Baye. He played three centre-backs, by scores an own goal and gets substituted. So that didn't work. But you see here in the setup here, we've got now upon the graphic uh, of the shape, City playing the kind of conventional 4-3-3, but obviously very fluid, doing lots of things with those six in the middle and with the full-backs coming forward and even the centre-backs stepping out every now and then. With United, it wasn't really three at the back. It was five at the back. And I'll tell you that from someone who was sat in the stands looking along that back line for most of the game in the first half, those front five could not have been in a more straighter line from Shaw to Maguire to Lindelof to Bailly to Wambasaka. One straight line. Now, that was either out of fear that they were scared of City and sat back, or it was a tactic that they were told to sit more in a lower block. But it wasn't a low block. Why not? because the midfield wasn't compact with the defence. So the midfield was kind of doing all sorts of different stuff, you know, running, chasing after shadows. And City's front three there of Jesus, Silva and Foden just kind of sat on the United defence. It was weird. It was a weird thing to see that Foden just could trot around wherever he wanted to go. So in terms of the shape of the system, first half was this with the with the vote back. Then Baye scores that horrible sliced own goal which happens to you when you're not technically that good or you're in a bad moment. And then United are fighting fires. And I can't believe it just ended up 2-0 in the end because it felt like United was so out of control for the whole 90 minutes. Rob, there's a comment here saying, you know, that uh, in some ways it felt worse than Liverpool. They were toying with us. They made no subs, at least against agree. Liverpool. Yeah. He tried to win against uh, City from the start. He raised the white flag. It felt like we went, we set up to not get thrashed. I think that's the biggest issue for me. Something that I also want to pick out, Rob, is that, I mean, Guardiola utilised Cancelo and Walker beautifully, didn't he? I mean, look, Cancelo was a standout man, technically extremely good. We've spoken a bit about it before. 
But, um, you know, the midfield as well as where Manchester United, I mean, Man United had three in midfield there, but City were just, you know, they were dragging United's middle field from left to right. They were switching the play. It was easy for them. It was way too easy. And, and, and Oli didn't have anything to sort of counter that. And that was a problem for me. We were sitting there um, and at half time, I mean, it felt honestly like attack versus defence as a training game. And that's when, I, you know, that's obviously I've been saying now for weeks that we need a change. But I was sitting there, Rob, and when you, your manager doesn't know what to do in that situation, it's never really a good sign. And when I'm going to bring up the statistics as well from the game, I mean, this is damning at home to Manchester City in a derby. Usually in a derby, you know, you show a little bit more bite and a bit of fight. There was none of that yesterday. Five shots from Manchester United. Um, I believe there was one on target. Um, and that was the Ronaldo one from the 25th minute. Looking at Man City, it could have been 5 6 if it wasn't for David De Gea. 17 shots for them. Total domination. I mean, it's just not good enough, is it? It really isn't. It's not good enough, but we need to kind of break down why it's not good enough. So this is the whole thing. So just saying there about United setting up to mitigate kind of a bit of damage limitation, I don't really think that's what it was. I think United set up to try and play some counter-attack football, go back to what they used to know, play with a little bit of pace, try and find a way to get Ronaldo one-on-one with those defenders back there. But it didn't work because you, so, you, you were so messy. You know, back five was so flat and the midfield was so disorganized and the back five were so disorganized that what are you going to counter-attack on when you look at these stats here you know united counter-attacks zero you know set pieces one open play four it's a complete catastrophic set of numbers for a team that's trying to dig itself out of the dirt because that's where united are so for ole losing two nil might not be as bad as losing five nil but a loss is a loss is a loss and United cannot afford to rack up any losses. So I think this is kind of where we are with the Solskjaer, the Solskjaer tenure is that it doesn't matter if you make yourself more difficult to beat because if you still get beaten, losing 1-0 or 2-0 is as bad as losing 4 or 5-0 because you're not picking up points. I mean, we've got to talk about the shape here. So if you listen to this on uh, Spotify, the shape, Rob, it was going around on halftime. One of my good friends, uh, Canton Arcola, he actually tweeted it at halftime. And it was, you know, I think about 37 minutes in, it was abysmal, Rob. There was absolutely zero. What I don't know what the shape was. You know, United weren't compact. They weren't organised. And we saw that yesterday. I mean, look, on the left-hand side, Manchester United shape. It was a five at the back. You can see that. You can see United were very bunched up in midfield. The biggest issue, and look, I'm myself and you disagree on Ronaldo. I don't want to make this about talking about Ronaldo because we've spoke about it in previous podcasts. But when United can't do what they were doing under Oli in the first couple of years against these bigger sides where they were successful, they're able to counter on these teams. You can't do that with Ronaldo as effectively as we were doing with the players before. That's not to say Ronaldo's not a great goal scorer. We have to find a different way. The manager has to find a different way to do that. You know, he has to find a way to uh, give more service to Ronaldo. But the fact is that that was always Oli's go-to, wasn't it? The, the fallback is that, you know, if we can't play possession base, we can hit them on the counter. We can destroy teams in transition. We don't even have that now this season. And when you haven't got that, there is absolutely no plan A or plan B. And we saw that yesterday, unfortunately. Yeah, totally. And but I do need to quickly address the Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo in the room here because I'm getting sick of hearing it nonstop about how this is an agenda against Cristiano, that it's this, that, and the other, and 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 all this love for Ronaldo is fine. If people love Ronaldo, great. But he is part 
of this tactical breakdown. He is, no doubt. So let's look at the shape here because we have to mention it. So when you look in the middle of that Manchester United map and you can see how there's literally five players who, again, could all high-five each other and Cristiano is one of them, slightly more advanced. And then you compare it to the Manchester City shape there where they're beautifully spread out that gives them the chance to pass the ball. It makes them push territory. It means they can get up and down the pitch. They can get behind the ball. They can get ahead of the ball. They, they can move off the ball. They can move on the ball. Man United can't do any of that because the shape is corrupt. It's corrupt from the top of the pitch, which is the striker position. And lo and behold, yes, I know Cristiano plays as a striker. So people have got to understand this is not about Cristiano. This is about the shape and the system and what positions are working and what positions are not. At the moment, no positions are working. When you look at the United shape there, just before we kind of jump on, the one bit there that does work, you can see or is trying to work, is Luke Shaw's position. So Luke Shaw's average position, he's kind of doing what you want, which is on that halfway line pushing forward. But you even saw there in the first half that he wasn't. He was stuck in that back five, as was Wambasaka. So the fullbacks there are trying to stretch the play. Yeah, that's their job. But look at the midfield. Look at it. It's a mess. That midfield, literally the wrong side of the halfway line for the whole game. And there's no connection between them and Ronaldo. No one's passing that ball out to Ronaldo and you can't play counter-attack. So Cristiano is part of this story. And this is why I said about the solutions might well be post-Ronaldo solutions. Because I don't see, even if you're a manager of any kind of acumen, that you can make a 4-2-3-1 work around Ronaldo. You might be able to get a 4-3-3 working. But you look at the players we've got, None of them really suit unlocking Ronaldo. That is a massive problem. You might have Sancho, you might have Van der Beek, you might have ball players, even Juan Mata. But it's the way Cristiano plays and what he needs as a support function to be the best version of himself. See, we're, we're going to disagree. I don't want to talk about Ronaldo too much in this, Rob, because, uh, you know, there's so much more we can talk about. But what I will say is that I think you've got one of the, the greatest goal scorers there. You have lost, we've discussed it in the past, you have lost, um, you know, probably the ability to be as effective as possible on the counter. You have lost someone that's going to press because when we do talk about Ranić later, he is very much a pressing side. I mean, there was a good comment here um, from from Larry saying, you know, to quote Ranić, you can't press a little bit, just like you can't be a little bit pregnant. We seem to mm -hmm. do a little bit of everything, but poorly. That's a fantastic quote. Um, and then that's the reality with Manchester United. And this is something that's frustrating. We saw this against Liverpool, Rob, is that we didn't press as much yesterday at all, really. But when Manchester United do decide to suddenly press after, you know, Oli said he wants United to be, you know, the fittest side, the, the most hardworking side. We're near the bottom in, in that respect. But when you look at, um, you know, the way Manchester United do press, it is like one man goes towards the ball. It's like one man press. And then another man goes towards the ball. It's so easy to play against. Um, but when you have got someone like Ronaldo, that pressing side is, is not, you know, the pressing style that you want to play isn't going to work. So I think fans do need to think about that. <clears throat> Rob, the graphic on the right, we'll touch on this as well. As expected, we've known this for nearly two to three years. Manchester United have a very lopsided attack. That left-hand side is obviously much more uh, fruitful and it does a lot more for Manchester United. 57% of our attacks came down the left. Lo and behold, we sign a right winger, doesn't get a game. <clears throat> and um, you look at that right-hand side, non-existent. You can see that from the average positions map when you have a look at Wan-Bissaka who's sitting deep in the, you know, as a right-back rather than the wing-back. And compare that to Manchester City, look at the balance. 33% <clears throat> of their attacks came down the right, 42% down the left, 25% down the middle. Because they were so spread out and using the space so well, Rob, I mean, they were just passing the ball for fun. It felt like they had 12, 13 players on the pitch rather than 11. Yeah, and this the whole thing is that the whole project was based around the fact 
that over time United would become a pressing style team. Ole's spoken about it explicitly. That's what he wanted. He wanted to become a 4-3-3 side and maybe use 4-2-3-1 as the reserve formation. Now what we're seeing is that United can't do any of their formations well at all. So you just mentioned Ronaldo there and said, I don't want to make it about Ronaldo. It's really difficult to mention about pressing systems. that We're talking about the one guy won't press. So you don't buy Ronaldo to then have a pressing system. So this is the kind of the the kind of crutch of it. So that's an issue. You've got to then find ways of unlocking Cristiano. But then we saw yesterday that if you play a good team like City, who will play territory and play possession, it doesn't matter if you press or not. You might as well just all stand still on a football pitch. That's kind of what United are doing. They're going against better opponents. And I watch them, especially that front line. I watch Cristiano stand on the halfway line, hands on hip, while the game was happening around him. You can't do that in the modern game. If you want to be a good team, you've got to find a way to press. United certainly didn't press well last year, but there were signs that when they played teams like City last year, that they could press, that they had a system that allowed them to be up the pitch. You saw in this derby match, they had nothing, did they? No one was pressing because that wasn't the instruction. The instruction was to sit deep and kind of like, fingers crossed, pray for the best. But that's what I'm going to say, Rob, here. We've got the graphic now on screen of uh, the heat map. Oh, it's abs- look at Manchester City. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. I mean, look at Manchester City, Manchester City on the right and uh, United on the left. But Rob, what I will say is you, you talked about last year we were pressing. It is coaching, Rob. It's what the instructions mm. are. Manchester United have never been a pressing side on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, and they do it sometimes, sometimes they don't. That's ne- Ole's a reactive manager. He's not a proactive one. We've seen that, you know. There's a problem when your manager is changing the way we play, depending on who the opponent is. That shouldn't be the way that that um, we set up. You know, he should have his philosophy, and we should be going out, and we should be we, we should be imprinting that on the opposition. But when I have a look at this this heat map, I mean, look for me, Rob. If anyone can get Ronaldo to press, then they're a genius, and and we'll see if that's possible with a manager who has you know better tactics, uh, better coaching, better philosophy. But when you look at this heat map here, Manchester City aren't just a fantastic possession-based side. They're supremely good. Well, they work harder than just about any other team in the league. And if you want to be the best team in the league, you can't just be good on the ball. You have to be good out, out of the ball as well, without the ball, out of possession. Manchester United are poor at both. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Guardiola, you know, his his um, his words were chosen very wisely yesterday because all week he's been asked a lot about Ronaldo. Would you have liked Ronaldo at your football club? Lots of these teasing questions. And of course, he's thrown them back and said, well, you have to ask Ronaldo or Manchester United about the true situation around that. And, you know, when we look at the, the way City set up and play week to week to week, do you think that he would play any striker, it doesn't matter whether it's Ronaldo or not, who doesn't work in the press? The answer to that, of course, is no, never, not in a million years. You can have a striker who scored a thousand goals in his career and you don't start at Man City and you probably don't start at Liverpool either. So this is the issue with United about becoming this ballers football club of like having individual talent and thinking you can rely on it. You just said there, you know, can you get a coach that makes Ronaldo press? No, he's 36. He's never going to press. He's not going to change. So what mean, What that means is that you have to change. You look at the heat map here, you can see how City exploit that part of the pitch, just the other side of the halfway line, and they play in that area. That's where they live. That's where they stick their flag in the soil, and they say, we own this territory. You look at Man United, none of that, zero. You know, the biggest bit of heat there is David De Gea. It's sick. So, you know, we can blame Ole because he's got to take responsibility for this. But there's also a kind of 
there's something on the players about trying to make systems work. And what we're seeing is that very basic systems that like 4-2-3-1, they've completely forgotten how to play. They can't play it. They, they don't feel confident. They go to five at the back. They're okay sitting deep, but then they can't counter-attack because they've got a striker up top that you can't play counter with. And then maybe your fastest player like Marcus Rashford or in those straight line runs, you look at a game like this, and this was a game to start Marcus in. And of course, Rashford, of course, Greenwood started and maybe he's there on merit. But if you're playing this system, you want that straight line speed. So I think Ole's getting the selection wrong, the system's wrong, but the players are really, really not helping any of it. Yeah, absolutely, guys. As always, before, you know, if you haven't done it already, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, share with all your friends as well. We want to get this podcast out to as many people want to grow this masterclass family. We've got so much great content as well. There'll be more studio stuff. But Rob, look, and we'll bring out another heat map here. So if you're listening to this as well on um, on Spotify, what we have here is we have Jesus, Bernardo and Foden's heat map. And we compare that to Greenwood, Ronaldo and Bruno. Obviously, United are playing a 5-3-2 Rob more. So it was more difficult. To, you know, United didn't have three across the... The, the front, although obviously when we did change to uh, 43 on the second half, we will talk about that. That's, that did uh, change. But look at the difference, Rob. I mean, I, United don't even have a heat map from these three players. Um, it's a serious problem. It's a coaching issue for me, Rob. It's a, these players, there's no way these players can't press the way Manchester City's players can. They're not coached to do it. They're not. Um, it's not repetitive behaviours in, in training. It's not all these tactics. And that's the problem, Rob. And you're looking at here in Manchester City. I mean, look, Jesus, Bernardo and Foden, they didn't play with a striker. This is the other thing as well, Rob, is that we, no, no manager has the perfect squad. Pep Guardiola doesn't have the perfect squad. He doesn't have a striker, really. Jesus is playing on the right. You know, Chelsea, for example, they don't have the perfect squad. They have deficiencies in defence. We have a look at Klopp as well. You know, they, they have lack of depth, but they, they're so well drilled that a, a top manager should be able to mask that. Manchester United don't have a midfield. We know the issues with that. They still need to upgrade that. I don't think they win the title, you know, even without a midfield. But they should be doing much better than what we're seeing right now. A manager should be able to mask that. And looking at this as well, how hard the, the front lines are working, it's just chalk and cheese, Rob. It's just not good enough. Um, you know, I don't want to sit here and say the difference between United and City was hard work because it's not. There was so much more to it. It was training and, and coaching and the way they were drilled, uh, footballing IQ, etc. But this is the basics. We don't work hard enough. And if you don't work hard enough as a bare minimum, you're not going to win football matches. I, I'm going to agree with part of what you said. Like I think that if you decide to play a pressing style, you need to drill it into your team. And that needs to be the philosophy of the football club. That wh whoever's playing along that front line, you run. Yeah, First prerequisite of football, run, please. You don't walk, you don't stand still. There's a lot of joggers in this Man United team. And a lot of players, whether they are worldy Ballon d'Or winners who just want to stand still and want to do the, all the flashy bits because that's what they want to do. It's how they've played their career. When you look at this kind of trident between Greenwood, Ron Ronaldo and Bruno and compare it to Jesus, Bernardo and Foden, it is embarrassing. Embarrassing. I would rather take one Phil Foden than three Ronaldos, right? Now, I'm not saying that to be a kind of hot take. I'm saying that because if you want your system to work, you need players that work in the system. So you can't have a system where these players won't play it. So the issue is, is that you can't really tell Greenwood, Ronaldo and Bruno to effectively press because that's not really their game. You could teach it to them every day of the week, you know, six hours a day in training, and you're still not going to get an effective press as Jesus, Bernardo and Foden. Why is that? Because City have chosen those three players to go and do that job because that's what they're good at. 
You know, it's like saying, let me go and get Harry Maguire and, and I'll just do straight line sprints with him. It's not going to work, is it? He's slow. So it's no point kind of, you know, there's a coaching issue. You're totally right. I'm with you on that. And United showed last year that when we played Man City that we pressed them high up the pitch and we beat them. Yeah, we beat them, a team that was known for pressing. We outpressed them. We won those games. But we've gone from that. 15 games into the season, we bring Ronaldo into the football club and we become a ballers football club. Individual talent. This is how we're going to win it. You know, we're going to get late goals. It's going to be the United way. Goals from the edge of the area. Brilliant finishing. Even the one chance we had was a difficult chance for Cristiano and he hit the target. But after that, United created nothing. And we all stood there. And one of the things that I heard over and over again, and this is the Foden side of it, is you look at Phil Foden and people were like, he's not Lionel Messi, but he looks like Messi because he's playing in those channels and he's and he's checking in and out. In it's always playing the game up here. United players do not play the game up here. They do a bit of jogging. I've got to close this position down. I'm the striker, so I've got to stand in this bit. This is my position. Bruno Fernandes runs around everywhere, gets upset, throws his hands around. It's all conjecture. It's rubbish. It's not football. So Man City are a proper football team with a coach playing proper football. And we've become a team that wants to be a proper football team, but just refuses to actually do the work. But Rob, I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying. But this comes from the fact that it's, you're looking at the two coaches. Guardiola's, Guardiola is a fantastic te uh, tactician, Rob. He's imprinting that on his players. Phil Foden would not be, he's a fantastic talent. But that, that footballing IQ, that, you know, that um, knowing when to, when, to, you know, when to pass, when to go, knowing you know, which areas of the pitch you have to take up, knowing when to press, when not to, all these sort of things. That comes from coaching. That, that's what of they're course. practicing week in, week out. Yeah. I mean, there's a good question here. And Manchester United, Rob, I, I'm fully convinced, yes, United have got some players, I agree with you, that you know, aren't showing enough and, and that should be pointed out. But you, know, you put Bruno Fernandes into Liverpool's side, he would be a fantastic player. He'd be a better. He'd be a better player than we're seeing right now. You put Mason Greenwood, you know, into seats. There's no. It's not that City uh, Greenwood and Bruno can't press. It's what they're being coached to. They don't know whether we should press or we should not because it's not like from one week we press and another week we don't press. There's no uniformity with Manchester United's tactics and their systems. Ollie's chopping and changing. We've now gone to five at the back or three at the back. Why? Because it worked in one game. You come back into this and it, it, it doesn't work. So, And then they, we did go to a 4-2-3-1. Rob, I want to bring up this question here. Um, which was from Philip saying, you know, do we have an abundance of players with low game IQ or is this pure coaching? I don't think United have got players of low IQ. There are a few. I mean, look, we saw there are some players that shouldn't be playing. Eric Bailly, I don't see the hype. I'm sorry around Eric Bailly. Uh, you know, he has one good game and suddenly people think he's the answer. He's not the answer. He's been to the club for four years. Um, but then you've got players like Mason Green with Sancho, Rashford. I mean, that front three, Rob, let's talk about talent alone. There's no reason why they can't press. Sancho did it at Dortmund, it's the fact of the matter is they're not being coached well enough to to press, to pass, all of these sort of things. And at the end of the day, Rob, the common denominator for me is the manager and there has to be a change. Yes, of course. And we've there's, there's nothing on this show and what we've said, whether it be tweets, on YouTube, not on your YouTube, whatever, that goes away from that fact. I think where everything differs is the reasons why. Because Ole watches these guys and tells them what to do in training and pushes them and, and wants them to do certain things. But the big difference between that Greenwood, Ronaldo, Bruno thing there and Jesus, Bernardo and Foden is that there is no eye in team. Yeah, those three for City work for the team. Yeah, they're all individually talented players. They can all do certain things, but none of them are kind of 
right on the edge of superstar status. United, on the other hand, have got Ronaldo and Bruno, who are kind of working that superstar way and literally cannot pass the ball to each other, Haydar. So that's on them. That partly is on them. And there's no way that you could put Greenwood, Ronaldo and Bruno in City's team and that they would press. They wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to do it in the way that Guardiola likes to do it. That's why you pick players for your system, not systems for your players. So this is this is a part of the issue, is that United this year are picking systems to try and unlock talent, unlock individual players. Of course, it's our striker. This is how the, the kind of methodology has gone about now in the last kind of six, seven, eight weeks. And I think this is why we've seen a collapse in results. But unfortunately, United fans are always going to play what about tree because they like certain players and don't like other players. And this is a problem because coaches can't do that, you see. Coaches will have players that they trust, but they want to just put out a team that wins. That's what coaches want to do. And you can see with with um, with Ole now that there's, he's in a fog, he's in a mist. He doesn't know what team to put out anymore. And this is why he'll lose his job because he can't find the way. But if you brought Guardiola to United tomorrow, United wouldn't magically press. It takes six months to get your team to press and it, you have to retrain players' brains. You, you know, the fact that Man United players are jogging is an issue, but that's because they've been told to play a static system. So they're just working in little zones. You know, like I just said that, I'm the striker. I work in this tiny triangle. So I just wait for the ball. If you wait for the ball in the Premier League, you lose games. It's just as simple as that. So this is a, an acute, tactical breakdown that's the responsibility of the manager but also the players themselves are not doing the manager any favors at all rob there's a you know a good question here rob you know from miles saying rob is spot on but this comes back to what is the ethos of the football club so what we've been saying rob you know trying to hark back and copy the, the sir alex way the the united way you know i need to look forward now they need to stop trying to replicate what's in the past take the values and the ethos of the club and they need to move forward they need to modernize Rob, we're going to move on to Ralph Raniuk. And uh, guys, as I said, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, share this with all your friends, share this with all your family. You want to get this podcast out to as many people as possible. So, Rob, we'll start before by saying, you know, reportedly, I'm just looking now on Twitter, and uh, I don't know who Rudy Galetti is. He works for Calcio Mercato. I'm not sure the, the you know, the sort of um, the standard of the source here, but uh, reportedly, Rogers has reached an agreement in principle with Manchester United. However, less, the less manager would like to wait until the end of the season to sit on the Manchester United bench. Red Devils are pushing for now, but Leicester City at now disagree. Um, what have you heard regarding this? What is, is it a case of Rogers being the number one target? I mean, it would marry up with the idea that he is because we had Antonio Conte, who uh, a lot of fans wanted, myself included. Obviously, he's now at Tottenham. It looks like it's pointing towards Brendan Rodgers. Can you see Manchester United paying that money, though? Because if you're going to have to sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it's about seven and a half million. You're looking at Rodgers, what, 20 million plus? These, these owners don't like to spend money in that way. So, you know, how, how convincing are those reports? And uh, is Rodgers the number one target? Yeah, I said last week that Rodgers was the number one target, a de facto target for the Glazers in terms of continuing their project and what they see that they want to do with United. Um, and... You know, you get a lot of fans again going, they didn't want Conte because Conte's a moaner, Conte's a squealer, Conte challenges boards. And we kind of de de like demystified a lot of that last week, didn't we? We kind of said, that's not kind of not what, what Antonio Conte is at all. He's passionate, but he generally works well with owners. He gets the money he needs for it. He gets the players he wants. And he's a very like communicative bloke. That's how he works. That's not a problem. Um, 
I don't think United were looking at Conte in those in that way. He was never kind of the top target, though he was the favourite for a little bit. Why in terms with the bookies? I think with Brendan Rodgers and with Rangnick is that you they are similar coaches in many ways, maybe not in philosophy, but how they structure their football teams and their football clubs. So let's just talk a little bit about Rodgers before we jump into Rangnick uh, completely. Uh, the fact with Brendan Rodgers is that he does want to go to a bigger club. We've heard this before. He's kind of hinted it before. He's always said that he would like to be able to go to a club of Liverpool stature again, round that kind of ilk. Manchester United are one of those clubs. I think he always did feel that United would not be an option for him simply because he was Liverpool manager once. For me, I said last week that Conte and Rodgers were my two favourites because they were kind of the two separate ends of the spectrum. And and United were digging around Rodgers last week. We know this. That's, that's not, it's not a surprise. So today, obviously, the reports are saying that there is some kind of agreement in place. And I think that that will now kind of start to unfold. We do know that Brendan Rodgers doesn't want to leave Leicester immediately. He would like to kind of see it out to the end of the season. I don't know if that's to do with clauses. Quite often, clauses only kick in for a month in the summer. That's quite a lot of contracts are based around that, the summer clause of June or July. And that means you get someone cheaper. Yeah, you, there's no, there's less issues. So that might be the case. That's just speculation. But when you look at Rangnick, he is a real left-field choice. Now, United were in for him before. They had spoken to him previously, and it was around the time that they were looking at moving on Jose Mourinho. He's left-field because he just simply isn't, I, I use this word all the time in football, like sexy enough for the fan base. There's going to be a lot of United fans who look at this guy and go, who? Who? They haven't got a clue who he is. So he is a little bit of a kind of godfather figure in German football. Uh, Tuchel and Nagelsmann look up to him in terms of their systems and cite him as one of their, their favourite coaches, someone that they kind of studied and taking his methods. Um, he's obviously moved on to more director of football roles and building football clubs. So I don't think Manchester United would be looking at bring him in as, as that because we have one in Murto. I don't think Murto's going anywhere soon, you know, even if Solskjaer gets sacked. But he is a great coach. He fixes systems. He gets players drilled. Do I think, like, he plays one at top sometimes. Do I think he'd play Ronaldo in that system? No, because he doesn't press. So I don't know how you fix that. That's a that's a difficult thing. Um, but he is a really, really great coach. And I think that he, if you're looking for someone to fix a tactical issue, you need to go and get a tactician. I've said this over and over again. And he definitely sits in that ballpark. I think he would, he'd come to England and I think he'd be a, a kind of quiet success. People talk about Ten Hag and a lot of those people that talk about Ten Hag are not real big Ajax fans. They don't watch a lot of Ajax. You know, they kind of just like like him because he is a, a tactical name where this guy might actually be the tactician that you need. I tweeted about this, Rob, that... You know, Ranjik is probably the manager the Manchester United should be going for right now. Because as you said, look, he's a great builder of clubs. He's a great tactician. And when you look at his uh, statistics here, I mean, Hoffenheim, Hoffenheim aren't traditionally, you know, seen as a, a club who, um, you know, who are one of the biggest in Germany. They had uh, they had Ranjik and they also had Nagelsmann. And Nagelsmann did great over there. You know, he made them into a Champions League club. Fantastic job. And then he built the sort of the Red Bull brand, didn't he? Really, Ranić has been mm. so pivotal in that. You see all these fantastic managers. Again, you saw Nagelsmann there as well. Someone that 
I think every fan in the world rates. He's a fantastic prospect. Jesse Marsh is very good as well. Um, but when you're looking, I mean, look at the look at the points per match when he was at uh, Leipzig. You know, 1.92. It's it's a great record. <clears throat> when I have a look at the options out there at the moment with Conte off the table, I, I'm not 100% convinced on Rodgers, Rob. And I think a lot of people are feeling the same. That can he take that step up to uh, challenge with the likes of. Guardiola with Klopp with Tuchel and now you've got Antonio Conte I'm, I'm not 100% convinced but what United need right now Rob is they need they need a they need a, a style of play they need someone to come in and basically build that to basically coach these this squad into it because there's talent in there and then you know maybe 18 months down the line you go and give it to someone who is a bit more, you know, probably a bigger name. You could maybe give it to a Ten Hag, Mancini, Enrique when the World Cup is over. I think that's what the club should be doing. I'm not convinced the club are that well, what's the word, um, prepared. They don't have a clue what they're doing after. Um, so that's what I would be looking to do. I'm not 100% convinced that Rogers is the right answer. But if he comes in, Robert, he will be a definite improvement on what we're seeing right now. At least United would be more well-drilled. But let's talk about... Ranić's uh, tactics. So you're looking at the system here. You know um, his 4-4-2 formation. He's the team in white. Um, you know he likes to play with narrow wingers. Uh, it does go to a 4-2-2-2 as well. Um, I think one of the biggest things, Rob, though, is that the team. It's about the unit, isn't it? With someone like Ranić, it's not about the individuals. Right now, Manchester United have a lot of good individuals, a lot of individuals with a lot of talent. Um, what are your thoughts on this as well? Because there are going to be, if let's say he does come in, there are going to be a lot of players that will be cast aside. There will be a lot of players, bigger names that will will probably be dropped. I'm not sure fans are ready for that, if I'm honest with you. Um, you know, there's a lot of allegiances to certain players in the fan base, which needs to stop. But Ranyu could come in and do what's best for the, the unit rather than the individual. Stop supporting players, start supporting your team. First thing I want to say to any United fan watching this, you know, everyone has favourites, but if you get a guy coming like Ranić into your team, you've got to understand that he needs to build the club in his image. So that's what that happens. That's why even when you bring in a Van Gaal or Mourinho, it's the same thing. You've got to let them build the club in their image. And yes, they may, may then take isms from Manchester United isms from the past. That's okay. So I think when you look at Ranić, the, the, the thing is with him, is that stylistically, he will make Manchester United a better team. We will lose less games, we will win more games, we'll be more competitive, and he'll find a way. And there won't be this whole kind of shift towards populism in footballers. I will say one thing about Donny van der Beek, just quickly as well, just had it in, obviously got on a pitch yesterday. And the United fans sang his name for like 20 minutes while he was warming up. And it's weird. It's weird because it's all about it's all pushing against not not wanting United to play good football, but just like individuals in Rob, the football can I, team. Can I make a point on this actually? Because I saw a, I saw a tweet about this. Because I was hmm. thinking, were they singing "Ollie's at the Wheel" the City fans? I wasn't quite sure. Because for me, I thought that was strange as well. City and fans were, yeah, yeah. But it's because it was the same tune, right? "Ollie's at the Wheel, at the Wheel," and then Donny Van der Beek, Van der Beek. But um, what I will say about this, I saw a tweet and it made me think, and I, I want to push this towards you and the listeners as well. Give your opinion on this. But someone tweeted this i think it's i can't remember who it was saying that this is the closest united fan base were getting almost to saying ollie out because united fans are never going to hmm. sing ollie out are they but to sing donny van der beek's name someone who's played hardly any minutes who's one of the players who has been almost cast aside by ollie it was almost a defiance to, to support the player over the manager i mean that's what i saw and i kind of agreed with that that idea i mean what are your thoughts on that yeah, I, th I think partially that is the way, yeah, because the United fans, they did boo at half-time and boo at full-time, but it wasn't really particularly loud or a big deal. 
Um, and yeah, they, they were singing for Donny van der Beek. Now, it's not a, a weird thing to, to sing for a substitute. They warm up on that side by the tunnel all the time. So it's in front of the Stratford end. So you it tend to be in front of the singing section. So they'll sing someone's name. That's not a big problem. But you could see that with Donny van der Beek, there is this kind of feather to kind of get him into the game, get him on the pitch because of what we're seeing is so bad. So I think it's the same for Jaden Sancho. But what I'm trying to say is that that populism doesn't work in football. Yeah, If you like an individual, fair enough. But individuals do not make a team. It doesn't get you to where you want to be. There can sometimes be the missing piece. So like you might find that Donny is that missing piece. But he came on and played in a double pivot in front of the back four. And he came on, I stood there and I just laughed. I went, well, we know this doesn't work. So here we are now trying it for the 10th time. And it's still not going to work. And it didn't really work. He was very deep. I was surprised he didn't come on in an attacking function when you're 2-0 down. So I just think that that's part of it. I do think that the fan base at Old Trafford, a lot of people said to me yesterday, season ticket holders, were quite frank and said, we're not coming. We're not going to watch this anymore. So I think as soon as that happens and empty seats happen, because that's what happened with Mourinho, that's when the board gets your feet. They see, they see empty seats. They see that fans are protesting with their feet. And you're right, there is a little bit of derision in the fan base where they're singing for Donny van der Beek over singing for the football club. Um, and it's not a good look. It really isn't a good look. Like I, I think if you go to games, go and support the team, sing for the team, and then you can have your opinions. You know, we have our opinions on this show and people have their opinions on social media. I think you've got to find a way to make Manchester United a team again and a football club. A club means everyone. And um, Rob, as we... You know, as we are doing the show, it is being reported that Aston Villa have sacked Dean Smith. So Norwich have sacked Daniel Farker as well. So, no surprise. Uh, no, yeah. no surprises there. You know, I think you're seeing the same thing that Dean Smith, well, he's struggling to replace Grealish. Also, obviously spent a lot of money and uh, there's some quality players in that squad. Hasn't found the right balance yet. I did find uh, you know, some of some of it a little bit strange. I, I did find it strange Danny Ings going there when they've got Watkins, but um, no surprises there. Now it's just Manchester United. So um, I, I really, honestly, Rob, I'm sitting here and I don't think United are going to sack Oli. And I don't know how it can get worse than this. Um, you know, but to... you're saying that because of a feeling. Yeah. I'll say this. It's sacking season, Haydar. Yeah. You get to this point of the season and clubs start to sack managers because results don't reflect what they want to do. The things with the Glazers is that, you know, I said populism doesn't work. They are populists. That's what they do. So as soon as this looks like a bad narrative on them, they're going to cut that manager's throat quickly. So especially when you could, if they've talked to Rogers and that they can agree with Rogers and say, even if Rogers comes end of the season, they can sack Ole now and say, Michael Carrick, you're going to take the job for six months or four months or something like that. And Brendan will come in next season. So there is that side of it. And, and I think people say they feel that the Glazers won't sack Ole. Unfortunately, I must admit, I don't see where that comes from because people said that about Mourinho. They won't sack Mourinho, give him a big contract. They can't sack one of the greatest managers of all time. They sacked him. They will sack a manager. They are ruthless owners. We shall see, Rob. Watch this space. But let's go back to Ranyak Kim. We're going to talk about the pressing. And look, he is, uh, you know, he's almost the, the king of Gengen pressing. You know, he is the one that uh, has inspired a whole load of managers. I, mean, I saw a good comment there. You know, it's not just Tuchel uh, and uh, Nagelman. I believe Klopp's in there. Jesse Marsh, we mentioned him earlier. You've got, um, uh, what's it, Ralph Hasenhutl at Southampton as well. But I think one of the key things here, Rob, and um, I'm just, we're going to do a, a Ranjik, um podcast. We're going to do a Ten Hag one later on as well, guys. So make sure you subscribe so that you keep up to date. Turn those notifications on. Um, but when you're having a look here, Rob, it's how, you know, out of possession, how well organized his sides are. Um, you know, they look to press early and higher up the pitch. That is very, very key. You see that with Klopp's side, you see that with Guardiola's side. Manchester United don't do that at all at the moment. 
how is that transition going to be for this side then, Rob? Because, you know, we've mentioned it a lot, you know, United don't press enough. I think they've got the players to do that. It's just about changing the mindset and training them to do that. I mean, one of the key things here is that, uh, you know, setting up pressing traps. I mean, that's a very that's a very basic thing. You know, there are tri triggers in when you press as a team. Um, I should not have done to any of that right now. Um, but, you know, he, he does also look to play sometimes 4-3-3 as well. So that's something that fans do want to see. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, the Ronaldo question does come up again, doesn't it? When you want to play a pressing, pressing uh, system like this, it's going to be difficult to see where he fits in. Well, Ranjik is the king of uh, the press and trap. That's what he does. That's kind of what he formulated in his teams and what's been kind of eked out through his tactics to other coaches over a long period of time. You can't play Ronaldo in a pressing trap. You can't. And you just said there you think United have got the players to go and press. Who? I don't think any of them are good enough at pressing. You've got centre-backs who are slow, right, who can't do that, who only can hold lines. You've got full-backs that when they're allowed to go and play up the pitch, they're good. They can go and do that, but don't particularly go up and down well. You've got a functional midfield who can chase, do lots of leg running, but are not particularly intelligent. You know, we talk about McFred all the time, about the kind of nuances of the game. And you've got Bruno Fernandes, who does like to run around a lot, but also likes to huff and puff a lot. So I don't think that any of this Man United team is particularly suited to a, a press and trap system. I don't think this Man United team could do, say, what Chelsea does. I don't think they can do what Liverpool do, and I don't think they can do what City do. So it would be up to Rangnick, or even if it was Brendan Rodgers, who both like to play pressing systems and, and have different shapes, but, but will press higher up the pitch and be more aggressive to find ways of doing it and then adding. So that was what you'd have to do. It wouldn't, you wouldn't fix it on day one, Haydar, but you might fix it in a year and you might go into the next two transfer markets and have very specific types of players you want. So not superstars, but players who play the press and trap. And I think that's what you'd have to commit to. So this Man United team is not suited to pressing, which is why they don't press. It's kind of the, the be-all and end-all of it. They try and be functional because they're not very good. They're, they're a bunch of joggers. They all jog. They all want to jog because they want ball to feet, and then they want to turn and do a little trick and find a way. Marcus is the same. You sign up with Mason Greenwood, wants to come in on his left. Ronaldo does that. And then you've got Bruno, just looks lost around all of them. Like, what's supposed to be happening here? I think Bruno would be all right in a pressing system, but I think the rest of them, I would would find it difficult. I think Sancho would be all right in a pressing system. When you look at this shape, I think he's 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 got much more energy about him. I think people give him credit, and you saw what he does at Dortmund. He can he can join those dots. But then there's a whole bunch of them where I do think you know would you be able to do that week in week out? Michael Owen said one thing after the game yesterday. He talked about Liverpool, and he said about when uh, when Klopp went there and formulated it. He formulated that that pressing system, and some of them were really good at it, and some of them weren't very good. And he weeded them out quickly. The ones that weren't good at it, gone out the football club. What Ole's had to do, because I think this is partly down to the owners, is that the players he's got, he's kind of been told, you need to win with these players. And now he can't find the system to make that work. So that is an issue. So it'd be an issue for any new manager coming in that they would have to put, again, put their kind of flag in the ground and say, we need to change stuff. And, you know, so we'll look at kind of more of his, his, his kind of acute tactics here, but it's not kind of rocket science, but lots of players are just not good at the press. I, I somewhat agree. We'll see who is and who isn't. Uh, there's a good comment here um, saying that, uh, you know, when when Ranić does come in, 
it might be a tough first few months, some injuries. Naturally, when you come from not pressing at all and then changing your your 100%. style completely, that's a, this is a great comment, but over the summer, he'll change how we look. Yeah. Um, what I will say, though, Rob, is that you're basing, in my opinion, you're basing, you know, the likes of, let's say, um, Mason, Rashford, whatever, these sort of players on the fact that, you know, they haven't been coached how to do it. I don't think any player, well, there are some players that can't do it physically, yes, but I'm looking at a squad and I, I don't think, I think we should be on the, the level playing field of, we don't know whether they can or can't just because they've never done it before. But, you know, there's young players here that do have energy. They do have, um, you know, the that need to be coached and do need to be drilled. And I think that I think it's too early to say whether a player can or can't, in my opinion. It, OK, fair enough. But I've seen enough of Man United try and press over three years, Haydar. There's been plenty of games where they've tried to press and it hasn't worked. So this is the whole point of it is, is that there's a reason why Ole doesn't press is because his players are not particularly good at it. Now, you're right. The coach has to get it into those players to do it. The issue I think here is like, say Rangnick comes in and is given six months to try and create a pressing team. Six months might not be long enough. Might take a year, but Man United fans are so impatient, they'll be calling for his head after day two. So this is the problem of, of, with our football club. And I think this is this kind of where it, the, the toxicity seeps through from the fan base into the team. So I'm not saying that Mason Greenwood can't press. I'm saying that he probably on day one won't be able to do what, what this manager would like him to do. And here we are months on still talking about repetitive issues. I want to see Mason Greenwood in the team. Yeah, I want to see a front three on Mason Greenwood, Rashford and Sancho. That is your now, that's your present, that's your future. Go and make it happen. Go and find a system that makes that work. And a pressing system with them will work. A 4 free free press, first wave, second wave, they will work together. Those three boys up top will be able to press a defence. It doesn't work with Ole because Ole hasn't set the rest of the team up to do that, Haydar. So I'm not saying that another manager can't do it, but there are big reasons why Ole hasn't done that. Ole is a conservative coach, and this is why he is stuck with this. And he's now stuck having to play two guys at the top end of the pitch that the football club will demand play because they're the biggest earners at the football club and one of them's the biggest shirt seller. Simple. Rob, the reason why United aren't doing it is because the manager isn't a good enough coach to coach that into the sides. That that's in my opinion. I, I understand with the, I agree with the Ronaldo point, but uh, you, we, we're comparing someone, for example, like Ranić, who is the uh, you know who is the king of Gengen pressing, and we're saying to Oli Gonzalez, he doesn't do that. Oh well, you know the players can't do it because Oli's tried to coach into them. I'm not looking at the players. I'm looking at Oli and being like, no, I don't think that that's not one what he wants to do. Two, that's not he's shown that he's not a very good coach at drilling that into his team so i want to see the best guy come in to see if the players can do it and that's the that's where i'm sitting rather than saying the players can't do that i'm, I'm only taking my my opinion on it from what i've seen as you know kind of looking at the the nuances of the of the stats and stuff like that about what a player does within his own skin on a football pitch that's the way i look at it you know you said there you know maybe cristiano will get coached and, and coach and he'll be able to press he ain't gonna press He's never going to press. It's not what he does. He's never done it in his whole career. So it ain't going to start tomorrow with someone new. It just isn't. And there are some players that are better suited to the press and some who isn't. So when uh, Liverpool were looking for an extra piece for their press up top, because Firmino didn't score as many goals, but was a brilliant false nine, they went and got Jota because Jota will do the press. He might not be the best player in the world. He might not be everyone's pick, but he can play through the centre. He can be a false nine, play on the left. He can play behind the strike and he can press. So this is why 
that you do it. This is how you pick a team, Hader. So how you you shape it. So there are United players that will get round it and will find a way. And then there's other players that won't. Unfortunately for United, you might find, or for United fans, you might find someone like McTominay is better at the press than other midfielders, like, say, Donny van der Beek. And Van Gaat might come in and go, he's the guy I'm playing because he will press that zone. So he will do that press for me. And United fans, what would they do, Hader? They'll go batshit crazy. So this is the problem, is that it's not about fashion. This is about football. It's about tactics. So we will see. It's a wait and see thing. And we'll have to, we have to bring in a coach that wants to, to do those things. And we need a tactician. There's no doubt about it. That is the next port of call. You could be a Rogers. You could be a Randnick. The problem is you see with Zidane is that Zidane is the Galactico option. Like we, they might go for Zidane because of the Ronaldo link, because of the Varane link, because of the Pogba link. But he might not be the right guy because he's not the greatest tactician. Good manager, won trophies. You know, you can't say boo to Zidane about all of that stuff. But I think Man United now need an acute coach who's going to say, for one year, we are going to play pressing football. And if you can do it, you stay. And if you can't do it, whether you're Ronaldo or, you know, Ronaldo's best mate or Aaron Wambasaka or even the goalkeeper, if you cannot do what I want you to do, then you will be sold and you will leave the football club and we don't play football for ego we play football to win yeah no spot on rob final word now what's going to happen with Odegaard and Solskjaer let's finish on that uh, what have you heard is he going to get sacked you know in the next uh, week or so and who do you think is the most likely replacement I think he's going to get sacked. Uh, I don't want to put a time scale on it because I think with the Glazers, it's really, really difficult to to decide that. Um, there's been plenty of rumblings that Manchester United are talking to people. They're talking to agents. We've, I've said this on the show a few times. Uh, that continues. Uh, I can't kind of corroborate the the Rogers story that he's agreed anything with, with United because that might be a bit of a red herring. But I do know that Man United really like Brendan Rodgers. And, and the, the most important thing is that Joel Glazer is going to pick a coach in that style. Someone like Rodgers, who's got kind of Premier League experience, who is kind of, they're, they're conservative owners and conservative people. So, you know, conservatives tend to pick conservatives. So I think Brendan Rodgers is, is a quite quiet, demure guy. He'll get on with his work. He's a really, really good coach, you know, and I, I called him a world-class coach the other day. And of course, Twitter went crazy because that's what Twitter does. But I really do believe he's a world-class coach. You talk to players that have worked with Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool. I've spoken to players, uh, players that work with him at Celtic, players that work with him now. And I know people at Leicester and who speak about him in the highest terms and say that he is an exceptional world-class coach. He's never coached me. So I can't say that I think he's X, Y, or Z. I can only go by what people who are in the industry have said about Brendan Rodgers. And it's universal. It really is. I don't get one person who says, I you know, didn't get on with Rodgers. I didn't think he was particularly good. Everyone says the same thing. And that he is a kind of real um, player's player coach that he gets into players' heads and he coaches aggressive systems. And that's, that's attractive to me, Haydar. You know, I want a coach now that's going to take that and make Manchester United an aggressive unit. We should not be about one player. We should be about 11 every single week, every single game. No hero ball, no Hollywood football. We should be about winning games. That's how you win the title, whether you're Guardiola, Klopp, or even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And guys, we're going to finish on that note. Make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, share this with all your friends, retweet it on Twitter if you've got Twitter. Uh, and make sure that you give us a follow on at TF Masterclass. Give me a follow as well at Hader underscore Rabani. Give Rob a follow at Rob underscore Rob underscore B. 
We'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.